What's up, y'all? Welcome to Better on the Inside, a podcast about working for a church without losing your soul. Really, how to make church better on the inside. Whether you go to church, whether you work at a church, whether you volunteer in a church, that's our mission and that's what we're doing. My name is John and I am your pastor and digital host for this journey. Uh, today, I get to talk to my good, good buddy, my dude, Rob Fike, who is a great friend, a former work colleague, and somebody who's really invested in making the world a better place. He works for a nonprofit now, and we talk a little bit about movements, like the nature of movements and how they work. And man, Rob is just a brilliant dude, a great author, and a really good guy and a really good dad, um, truly like bandit level dad. Uh, and for Bluey fans, you get that one. Uh, you can check out Rob's stuff uh, at Rob Fike, R-O-B-F-I-K-E on Twitter for as long as Twitter's up when you hear this. Uh, who knows? You never know what's going to happen with that. And we will make sure that we link to Rob's stuff um, in the um, in the description, the episode description, so that you could check out what he's doing. But please enjoy my conversation with Rob. He is awesome and I love him. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Better on the Inside. I'm here with my man, a guy that I know for realsies in person, Rob Fike. Rob, how you doing? I am doing so good, John. Thank you for having me on. Yes, we know each other IRL, as people yeah. tend to Ooh, say. That stands for <laughs> in real life, for those of you who are not up on internet slang. Um, I I know Rob well enough. Not only have we worked together, not only are we friends, I have your face on my socks. Uh, Not all my socks, but a specific (laughs) pair of socks. Rob once gave me like an amazing gift of customized socks with he and another coworker's face on them. Yes, that was uh, a great gift. And I'm glad that you're still rocking them. Uh, I wouldn't say on the daily because you got one pair. And if you're rocking them on the daily, I'd be a little concerned. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they're still in the rotation. Yeah, they're stinky. <laughs> I, they weren't clean for today, unfortunately. <laughs> I should have planned that out better. Um, and I could have lifted my leg up and all that stuff for, uh, to show folks the socks. But Rob, <laughs> you you have your own podcast suite. I've appeared on your podcast. I freaking love that yes. movie. Uh, the rebooted podcast, all of that stuff. But what people may not know about you is that you've worked in nonprofit world for a very long time. And so a we, very long time. Yeah, like your whole career. Yes, my entire adult life, uh basically since 2006, I have worked in a nonprofit capacity. Um so 16 years, about 16 years now. Yeah. Um and then before that, um I went to a private Christian school. Uh, for university for a little bit. Um, and then before th- even that, I've spent most of my life in church. Um, and basically from birth, um, a pastor's kid. So this is this podcast is very much in my wheelhouse and so happy to be on here today to talk with you. <laughs> I 100% forgot you were a PK <laughs> just because like, like we know yeah. each other. And so you forget like those random identities of your friends. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and <laughs> oh my gosh, you, you done been in the church world, my dude. I have been in the church. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's uh, where we met and worked together, played basketball, watched movies, um, lots of things. 
You met your wife? Yeah, my wife and I met at our uh, on staff at a church, very much a Jim and Pam thing uh, <laughs> from the office, of course, because uh, <laughs> uh, Damaris was in, uh, she was actually the receptionist when she started at City Church, and now she's the social action pastor. Um, but that's kind of how we met is just, you know, passing each other, uh, while she was working at her, her desk. And, um, that's just kind of, you know, yeah, it was a little, will they, won't they early on. And, and then we did and we're here and we have three beautiful daughters as well. So, um, great, great memories and time at city church and, and working, uh, with you, John. Oh, y'all are so cute. And I have always enjoyed working with you so much so that we never stop. We'll just continue working on random projects and communicating about stuff maybe until we die. Yes. Uh, Working with people on cool stuff that you like. Working with people that you like on cool stuff uh, is my mantra. And so I will continue to do that. Of course, John. Um, so, so much of, of work life can be, I'm working on something that I really love, but I'm not necessarily in the group that I want to be in or we're working with people that I want. So any opportunity I get to get to choose, um, choose my, my team is always a great, uh, always a great feeling. That's some Leslie Nope. Uh, that's <laughs> yes. some Leslie Nope right there, right? Find your people and work on the stuff that you find cool. Uh, uh, so yes. I didn't want to just talk to you about the stuff that you find cool. I wanted to talk to you about movements and some of your thoughts around that and yes. kind of what that looks like for the church going forward. And so talk to me about where some of this conversation around movements came from. Um, I think that a lot of times in the church and also in the nonprofit uh, sector, we like to say that we're, this isn't just a building or an, an organization, we're a movement. And mm. um, so I s- spent the last 16 years working within those uh, movements. And I really wanted to think about them more in depth because I think that once you're inside a movement or a nonprofit organization, you don't have a lot of opportunity for hindsight or that 360 degree evaluation of like what your what your part in it is and also right. like how uh how your organization is doing um right. and not just in a like goal oriented way but just are we embodying the values that we want to um, and so I tried to think about movements in four different categories and I made them all start with M's because I can never fully... Because you're a pastor's uh, kid. Yeah, I'm a pastor's <laughs> kid. And so if it wasn't acrostic, it had to have alliteration. Oh, you should have done an acrostic. <laughs> I could have. Uh, I could have, but we will always make words fit into a letter pattern of some sort. <laughs> so, um, and there's a lot of M's. I actually, there's one M category that's two M's because I just couldn't help myself. Wow. Uh, you get a free M for your trouble. <laughs> yes. Um, so the four categories that I kind of found with our movements are myth-making, your mission, 
the momentum and metrics of it all, and then monsters. Mm. Um, and so There's those are six M's big. there. There's a lot of M's. Um, wow. And I have another M that I can talk about a little bit later. Um, that that wasn't in any of my writing about this. Oh, um, so you have those those four big tentpole categories of a movement, and really, um, it started with myth making for me. Um, yeah, there well, are so when you're talking about myth making, yeah, when you're talking about myth making, like what do you you were about to get into it, and I cut you off. So. Yeah, no, no, it's uh, okay. Go. Sorry. I'm so used to hosting podcasts that I'm like, I got to keep pushing forward here. Um, <laughs> uh, but really, myth-making is the stories that we tell ourselves about our organization and what we're accomplishing. Um, but it really uh, is the, you know, the who, what, and why of what we do. You have like, why do we do the things we do? And we tell stories centered around that. Um, so many times you'll hear, uh, maybe on a weekend service, someone tells a story and then they tie it back into the why of, right. you know, this is why our organization does this, does A, B, C. Um, it's also like, what type of stories do we tell? What are the endings like? What, are, what stories do we repeat over and over again? Mm-hmm. Um, because these are the stories that will feed into our culture and um, like our, our big message or our missional message that we have to say. Um, and then who are our heroes? Um, right. And how do those heroes and their stories reflect the movement? Um, and a lot of times the, the heroes of our movement, their qualities are uh, infused into our movement. Um, they become their qualities become our movement's qualities. Yeah. Um, you know, the negative side of that sometimes is that our, our heroes, uh, their qualities for better or worse become infused into our movements and our organizations. Right. right. So and sometimes there, a little bit of yeah. that there. Well, and sometimes I think we can, you know, going on the starting with the constructive side, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. if somebody reflects the values of the movement, we can overlook the we can overlook the hero's flaws, right? We can say, well, yes, yes but they're moving this down the field so well, or yes, but they really have such great connections, or et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. We can really make excuses for that. Um, yeah, and but, very often when we're telling stories about people, we don't do the follow-up either. So if it's a mm-hmm. one-off story about somebody, um, we tell their story as a triumphant story and it's over. Yeah, like They've reached the end of their story, so to mm-hmm. speak, in regards to our organization or movement. Yeah. Um, and as someone who interviewed a lot of people and worked on story videos um, for organizations, there there's a tendency to ignore stories that took a turn, a negative turn later on. Mm. Um, there there were folks that we've interviewed, and they had a triumphant story, but our lives are not uh, are this up and to the right trajectory all the time. Right. And sometimes right. our stories, you know, they may have a good ending in spots, but then we return back. Um, whether that's uh, falling from grace or just um, 
not really embodying the movement anymore. Um, and a lot of times those folks are forgotten, yeah. um, whether that's on accident or on purpose, that, that can happen sometimes. Yeah. And an example of these kinds of stories are the stories that you hear, you've heard a, a hundred times, right? If you work in an organization or if you've been a part of an organization, you hear kind of this, some stories that are told every staff meeting or every whatever mm-hmm. or every blue moon. And so, you know, you hear the story. So I will assume like, um, you know, as, as I do sometimes, right? The, the, the story that always is going to be told in food bank lore is the, mm-hmm. is the story of the first COVID food relief um, thing where they had the, where they had however many families and the drones and NBC, like the whole deal. And the so, whole thing. yeah. Yeah. And that, that definitely that story. I don't know if we mentioned that I worked at the food bank, but no, I, we I did not. Work Sorry. At San Antonio you, food yeah. bank. Um, Great organization. And yes. That first, um, distribution, that first mega distribution that we had at Trader's Village was very much an inflection point for, the COVID pandemic, and it did become a sort of a myth-making thing. Uh, and it created um, not only solidified values for us that we would be there when things got really hard um, and that we continue to be there, but those, those values, um, we continue to talk about that story over and over because that was a message that went outside of the organization and was shared for everybody. And I think um, that is the same way for churches. There's the big stories that people tell and it's a way for people to um, evangelize the, the values of the mission. Uh, yeah, by telling these stories repeatedly, um, and whether or not that story um, continues to reflect our values going forward doesn't always—it's um, not always the case, right? Um, but it's definitely um, a huge part of our movements. Yeah, well, the mythology spread, right? It added yes. to the external mythology of what the food bank does, and but it also said something important about the pandemic. And something that everybody was going to, and we needed, we needed some of that in in where we were. And so our next M is mission. And so yes. every like mission is a word that people are familiar with, right? If you've worked in any organization, you've probably heard about mission. That's just that's part of it, but the way you define it is a little bit different, I think. Yeah. So every great movement has like that core mission. Um, the food bank's mission is fighting hunger, feeding hope. That's the mantra. And we do that through programs, uh, distribution, food assistance, and, and all that kind of stuff. And City Church has its mission of helping people uh, far from God become devoted followers of Christ. I'm not sure what the... Yeah. the oh, that's the, <laughs> the old iteration. But yes, but you know that one. Yeah. But it's... But that is the thing about organizations is they have this crystallized like one, two sentence mission that is repeated often. Um, and it, what it is, is the guiding point for where we are going. And it answers questions such as where we are going. Um, what is that final frame? So if we're thinking about it in terms of a story or a film or movie, 
it's that what is that happily ever after of the story well like what is the problem that we're solving um and within that mission then you can say what are our next steps and then how do we structure ourselves and coalesce behind that goal yeah um so mission part is very much uh you know the myth making was the stories we tell and then the mission is charting the course and seeing the picture, visualizing what we we want to accomplish as an organization and a movement. Yeah. Well, and when I've heard when I, you know, read what you've written and hear you talk about it, one of the things that stands out about mission is that in in a kind of uh compassion-driven organization or service-driven organization, like if you achieve, the mission is what you achieve. If you achieved it, you'd be out of a job, right? And so like if if nobody's hungry, the food bank is out of a job, right? Which is great. That's what what you work towards. And so you work toward this preferred picture of the future that might be impossible uh, or might feel impossible, but is something worth working toward. Yes, definitely. Um, I we do have a tendency. I I say that in meetings sometimes. It's like in a perfect world, I wouldn't have this job. This job mm-hmm. wouldn't exist um, because people would be fed, they would be nourished, they would be thriving um, without without my help or without the organization's yeah. help. Um, and I think that is a good mission to strive for. Um, and coalescing the mission there is finding bits and pieces that we that fit into your movement that reflect that that ultimate mission and right. so that's how you can organize yourselves uh, you have that one mission but then you create all of your programs kind of around that and that's how movements uh, continue to go uh, on is that they they say we have this overarching mission this vision goal of what we want to see and we're going to create these ABC programs because these reflect that mission and goal. Right. 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 Okay. This is the part that I, that um, you got to be able to be like, hey, are we doing a good job? Right. And so yes. there's momentum and metrics. More, two, yes. two more M's for the price of one. <laughs> two more M's for everybody. Um, and the reason why I put both those words in there is because. Um, there are times where our organization feels like it is, and I mean our organization more in the symbolic one, not like specifically the food bank or city church, right. but an organization feels like it's all about metrics. And so mm. this is even from like the business standpoint, it's like you're filing, have you filed your TPS reports? <laughs> what are you, what is the KPI? Like, are you reading, are you reaching your goals um, without thinking about the momentum of the organization? And mm. so sometimes you get lost in the mess of, I look at that, another M, you get lost yeah. in the mess of only inventorying your, your um, progress right. towards those missional goals without thinking about the momentum of the movement, which is being able to communicate the forward motion of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Well, and at Um, some point, at some point with metrics, you could just be checking boxes. Like at some point you could just be like doing stuff because we've always done it. 
And this is what we use to measure and not checking in with the momentum of like, where are we going? What are we doing? Yeah. Does this checkbox signify some kind of movement forward or or am I just kind of spinning my wheels and I got the dopamine hit of like actually checking a box that I got something done hmm. uh, without actually really getting something done in the, yeah. the bigger picture of things. Yeah. yeah. The, that feeling. <laughs> I love that feeling. Um, but we, we can also get to the point where we're like, woke up this morning, checked. Yep, I'm like right. checking my box. I make those really small, incremental, actionable things feel I, much bigger than they really are. I only started to do list if I have one thing on the check the list already checked off. <laughs> yes, you're like I already have it done. We we got to get this started. You got to yeah. start a list. If you can start with one thing already done, you're already you're already on your way there and that's like a little life hack, right? Yeah. Okay, this is one I do want to talk about the last M. And this is one that I really yes. wanted to talk about um, because I think this is different than many of these other frameworks for thinking about movement, you know, organizations, movements, etc., collections of people. Yes. And it's monsters. Um, so yes. let's talk about monsters. So when I was thinking about it in the grand scheme of things, when I was formulating this ideal and framework, the two that I started with were myth-making and monsters. Hmm. Um, and I think that monsters is an ideal thing because back in mythology, monsters were obstacles that were presented to the hero getting what they needed done. Yeah. Um, whether that's, you know, the Cyclops from, from Odysseus uh, mm -hmm. and his adventures um, or uh, Thanos and the Marvel yeah, world, nice. um, there's always an obstacle. And, and so often, monsters are the, the opposite. Um, the opposite of what the movement's trying to accomplish. And so mm. they, as a foil, really articulate what an organization of movement is against. Yeah. Um, and they don't necessarily have to be embodied in like... A monster, like an actual physical being. Um, sometimes they end up being that. Uh, sure. But a lot of times, you know, we will say the monster we're fighting is systemic racism. It mm. is poverty. Um, it is a mindset that keeps people from being more generous with their time and their and their money. Right. Um, and so what we really want to accomplish in our movement is saying we will overcome this monster. Um, and I, I think that we are just geared as, as a human race to, to think of ourselves within an, a narrative or a story that we're trying to overcome something. Mm. Um, and so much of the Christian faith is about overcoming. Right. Uh, I, I found myself when I was thinking through this framework of, a lot of spiritual motifs in worship songs are about how God is for me and who can be against me. It's like no weapon formed against me shall yeah. um, prevail. It's this idea of um, that ideology being a shield to something, whether that be um, 
kind of inherent like selfish nature of humanity or the devil, what have you, mm. Mm. Um, in a spiritual sense, what we set up as the monster for our movement will dictate kind of what our what we say our values are because it's the right. opposite. Right. So it's if well, we're and- fighting a selfish desire then our that uh, that articulates our movement to be not selfish to be philanthropic to be generous um and so on and so forth yeah man and it's such a good point because i don't know that we always consider what we're fighting against um and 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 getting clear on what that is and to your point, I, I, I love how myth-making and monsters are kind of paired because that's also yeah. where movements go dark. <laughs> that's, also yes. where, that's also where they go off the rails. Um, and I, I like the idea of monsters. And just, I think if you get down to like a real primal level, like monsters do represent the worst of us, but not as an yeah. individual Right. And so even you take something like, you know, just, just pick a villain, like some of the most interesting villains embody something bigger than just, I'm a bad person. Right. And there aren't organizations. I, I hope not, but most organizations that might not, organizations might not be effective are organizations that are dedicated to like, we're stopping Larry. Like that's not how organizations are typically. Although that would be funny, uh, the anti-Larry Society. Um, oh but uh, yeah, but when you're when you're focused on a monster, like you talked about poverty, systemic racism, like pick one. Like there's a lot of monsters yeah. that sometimes are represented by an individual as an avatar, but generally we're talking about ideas. We're fighting ideas and yes. realities and concepts and systems, and so. I, I love this monster point. I think it's so necessary. Yeah. And I, I think when, one thing we really have to pinpoint and be on the lookout for as a person. So you're looking at a movement and being involved in an organization, whether it's a nonprofit or a church, is what monster are they fighting? And they will tell you more often than not. Um, whether they know they are or not, whether they know you know, they're, they're pinpointing one, they will tell you. Um, and I think a big red flag for folks is, um, a lot of times churches will get caught up in culture wars and Mm. they'll think about, uh, their monsters become the other, not, not a systemic or a problem, but they are their, their monster becomes, you know, the world today, it's just, it's just bad, mm. and we're we're fighting back against that. We, you know, we're we're all about um, values and uh, with you know moral values or or whatnot. And really, what they're what that ends up doing is it paints a dividing line between people. Yeah. Um, and so, I would say that's like a huge red flag if you hear like you're hearing a preacher. Say, start talking about like people just don't respect, you know, spiritual authority today, or they, Mm. they don't, um, people are having trouble, um, you know, being morally in, you know, having integrity. 
Yeah. Um, I think that is, that is a huge red flag for me. Um, mm. because what that's doing is it's othering people. Um, but more often than not, the people that end up being targeted as a monster are people who don't have power. Mm. Um, they are vulnerable populations. They are underrepresented. Yeah. Um, and they are usually already victims of, you know, systemic problems in our society. And so yeah. you never, you, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say you never, but you want to second guess or be skeptical of any time someone wants to paint a vulnerable population as a monster. Yeah. Because that it, to me is the spiritual antithesis to like what Christ came to speak. He was always about um, raising up vulnerable peoples mm. and, and want, wanted to see the people who were, who were, you know, falling through the cracks is what we would say now. Um, people who were struggling with poverty and addiction right. um, and were outcast to kind of the spiritual, you know, spiritually dominant population at the time. Yeah. I think it's hard, Rob, though, because movements, and so you're talking about culture war kind of stuff. Like, mm -hmm. it is really easy to be successful when you dunk on people who can't defend themselves. And it oh, always looks like yeah. you're, it always looks like you're winning. You're beating the monster when you are picking a monster, creating myths around those. Like, and you can think of the stories right now of people telling these, awful stories that are supposed to be inspirational that you're like, wait, what? Like, we're supposed to be excited mm -hmm. about that? Like, and I, I could think of some specific examples, but trying not to be political. Um, because, but you can <laughs> see them on either side of the aisle, to yeah. be frank. Yeah. Um, you, you have these like dunk on the, making the wrong monster, and then you have a myth, myth making that goes with it, and then you've got metrics that go with it, and you've got all of these things that that are that are success, but you're yes. succeeding in the wrong, uh, yeah. I won't say the wrong thing. You're finding success in exactly what you're going for. Um, but it, it's not helping anybody. It's not a movement for good <laughs> uh, when no. you have the wrong monster. Yeah. Um, yeah. It could be, it can be such a problem um, because even organizations that start meaning well can, yeah. can be chasing that success. Right. Um, I think to a certain extent, we mentioned that I mentioned that earlier of that up into the right mentality, mm -hmm. um, organizations and movement chasing that success and it taking them somewhere else beyond the values that they started with. Um, and then they find themselves telling stories that are completely different from when they started, because those right. are the stories that they want to perpetuate like that cultural superiority they want yeah they they create monsters that they can defeat and sometimes mm. that that's the problem is we're trying to find monsters that we can actually defeat <laughs> um well, and that can be like vulnerable populations in that situation because it's when we say we are going to defeat poverty that is a that is a humongous undertaking and it takes huge, it takes time and it may never come to pass. And for maybe to speak of the 501c3 organization of it, that yeah. is more problematic. Mm -hmm. 
to say that I'm going to tackle poverty or we're going to become um, this mega generous organization. And well, the, the, the nonprofit business side of things is like, well, 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 we, we can't fully do that because we need to continue to perpetuate ourselves and keep the doors open. Yeah. And so there are times where we, we undercut ourselves. There's the two sides of the organization that, that can undercut, (laughs) undercut what they need to do. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that can be a problem. <laughs> yeah, well, no joke. And I would say for folks out there that are involved in a movement, and, and a movement kind of transcends the 501c3 official organization mm-hmm. of it, whether it's a school club, whether it's just something you and your friends do, whatever, um, check the check the myth-making and the stories you tell and the monsters that you're against. And I think those are really good measures of is this going away that I can get behind? Um, because if the stories that are being told and the myths that and the mythology that exists around it, or the monster is somebody where you're like, I really feel like we're punching down, right? That's like the comedic rule is that punching mm-hmm. down isn't ever funny. It's always punching up towards power. Um, yes. When you can evaluate those things and go, eh, this doesn't feel quite right, then you're probably part of something that maybe in the long run you're not necessarily feeling. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I I did have a few more red flags. Yeah, for come those on. movements. Um, yeah. one is we we kind of already talked about it, which was the targeting vulnerable populations or mm-hmm. punching down, as you said. Yeah. Um, but an, another one is that you know movements that are asking you to do what you're good at to do more of it and to do it forever. Mm. Um, I think we've had people on talking about volunteerism. Oh, yeah. um, but there are times where a movement is not necessarily, we talk about the movement and we talk about that 501c3, that like the nonprofit organization, like the the business side of things that keeps things running. Right. But more often than not, there there is a, a the darker side of that, which is that those organizations use people up. Mm. Um, and, a, and a big, problem with nonprofits, I would say, and churches in general is like you have movements that demand sacrifice from you, but don't really feed you. They don't yeah. take, they don't care for you. Um, and it's kind of this idea of, you know, you fleece the unfed sheep. It's mm. you're trying to get some like organizations will have a tendency to do that. Um, which is kind of like that business side of things where sure. we're profit oriented to to get resources to continue to perpetuate ourselves and so just being cautious of that and making sure that we're that you're not putting so much into an organization that you're burning yourself out yeah well and to your point a movement like eradicating poverty right like that's not going to be done in your lifetime and so you could work uh and i mean God, that would be awesome. Please eradicate poverty in our lifetime. That'd be fantastic. Yes, please. Uh, but realistically, it's not going to happen. And so not only do you have to pace yourself, but you do need to be fed yourself, right? You need to be poured into. People are not expendable in movements. And I think that no. that is what has bugged me a lot about um, 
the modern church in a lot of ways is as long as it's successful, it doesn't matter. It, it, it's the phrase, the body's under the bus, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what hill of dead bodies or, or, or exhausted people we have to climb to get to success. Um, and not all churches are like that, obviously, but, no. but that idea of success at all costs, like it makes me think of Captain America. You brought up Thanos earlier of like, <laughs> we don't trade lives, right? Right. And that's that's the idea of an ethical people first movement of like we don't trade lives. Like if you want to yeah. give your life away, that's a choice, right? And that's what Cap says mm-hmm. in that scene of like I chose that, but we're not going to to bargain that way because once you do that, you just you can't come back from it. Definitely for sure. Um, and then I had one last M. And this is related to anybody who's listening who this has nothing to do with the movement or organizations, um, but it's just something that I felt in my spiritual journey. Um, and it's part of it is keeping your spiritual journey separate from the movements that you're involved in. Um, mm-hmm. I know we talk about better on the inside. It's like mm-hmm. we want to continue to work f- towards a movement and an organization's goals while still like preserving our souls. And yeah. I think an aspect of that that we have to we have to break is this uh, this mentality that everything is up and to the right. Everything is growing, and if it's not growing, it's dead or it's broken. Something's wrong with it. Yeah. Um, I think within our spiritual journey that we have to become comfortable with meandering. Hmm. It's that M. We, our spiritual journeys are meandering. There are times where we are, we can feel super close to, to, to God, our creator, or the spiritual principles that we um, aspire to. And there are times where we're not. There are times where we're not producing things. Um, Mm. There are times where we may feel a little lost or we may feel like we're in a state of rest. And I, I think there are countless stories in the Bible of just so many stories in the Old Testament of that it's not up and to the right all the time. Yeah. Uh, some days you will feel like you're wandering in the wilderness for, you know, for 40 years. Um, there Mm -hmm. are those times and there's times where you get close to God by, um, you know, the work that you put in, but sometimes it's just being still and listening. And sometimes it is questioning the very values that you espouse to already. Yeah. Um, I'm, I find myself in a season of deconstructing and I know that that word has become very incendiary for people, but really, (laughs) but really for me, um, it's, it's about, uh, questioning the way I was brought up, questioning the things that I believe and making sure that what I believe is good for me and it is good for others and that it honors God. And I think that we can believe things that do all three of those. Mm. I think we can check those boxes, so to speak. Believing things that, that are riching for ourselves and other people, but also honor what God is doing. 
Um, and I think that a lot of times we need to take, we need to take time, take seasons where we meander and we ponder hard questions. Um, but also just take time to rest. Yeah. I think so often in the church, people get burned out because there's no rest. Right. And a lot of that has to do with this up and to the right that we get so caught up in how compelling our movement is that we don't take the time for ourselves. And, and really, you know, sometimes we just feel like a used up sponge Yeah. And no, and we don't do any good to ourselves or others when we do that. No. Well, and Rob, you, gosh, you make such a good point and it gets me so fired up because our spiritual <laughs> our well, and I think so many people and I've counseled with so many people and I'm saying your questions, your concerns, mm-hmm. your worries, your feeling of distance from God isn't a sign of sinfulness or backsliding or whatever. It's actually a sign of progress. And I think that is something that people wrestle with because you feel like your spiritual journey leaves no room for meandering because the up and to the right 501c3 organizational mentality of we always have to be successful. And we think our spiritual lives should reflect that. And that's not how things work. That's just not how it works. Like, that's not how a relationship with Jesus works. There's meandering in there. And, you know, it's funny in Psalm one, it talks about, you know, uh, somebody who meditates on the word day and night, right? Is like a tree planted by a fresh flowing river, a fresh flowing spring, a fresh flowing body of water that bears fruit in season. Mm-hmm. And the in-season part is that people miss yes. is people think they should be bearing fruit all the time and that their relationship should, they should have success. They should have these good things that should look like this. But it even says in that bears fruit in season and it, it, the tree isn't dying. It's not withering. You're connected to a source. And so it's not to say, Hey, don't, like, don't pray, don't read. Like, I know that everybody has a different spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. like practice. It's not saying don't do those, but it's saying that just because you're not bearing fruit doesn't mean you're dead, you're wrong, you're sinning, whatever. And that's the meandering part. Like, any journey, any good journey is going to meander. That's just, that's, yeah. that's life. We're not, you know, we're such GPS people, right? Where it's like, What's the most efficient way to get there? And how do I get there the fastest? Um, <laughs> like I map my way to work. I know so how to much. get to work, but yeah. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to save a minute and a half. Um, if I go yes. this way versus the other way. And so that, <laughs> that, that efficiency, the, the push for efficiency really robs us of such important parts of our spiritual journey. Yeah. And if you think about it from a, from a leadership perspective. So say you are, you're, you're a leader at a church and you're listening to this, or you're a leader at a nonprofit and you're listening to this, um, take cues from, from shepherds. Mm. You move, they move from place to place. Their goal is to protect the flock, to keep the sheep healthy. And, and a lot of that is the sheep will just go and sit and graze somewhere and they will eat. And there'll be times where they eat. There'll be times where they have to come back to the pen. But really what you're doing is making sure that 
they are within like the safety of, you know, of the herd that they're together yeah. and they're, they're, um, they're healthy, but you're not micromanaging and making sure that they're as successful as they can be every single day. Um, it's just about being with them and caring and protecting them. Yeah. Um, and so, so much of that is, is just about, um, being a gentle spirit when people are quote unquote away from the faith or, mm. you know, asking hard spiritual questions like you're talking mm. about that everything that you're questioning right now is just, it is progress. And you may not feel like you have forward motion right now, but it's okay. Maybe this is your season for rest or your season yeah. for contemplation. And being a good shepherd is about holding tight to what you believe, but also allowing your flock to meander. Yeah. Mm. That's a good word, man. That's a good word. All right, Rob, are you ready? for the non-judgment zone of joy. The I am only so ready. The only question that we that we ask every single time and I've been customizing the theme songs. And so um what is your favorite musical genre? Oh man. Uh or a musical a genre musical that you've been genre. like, you know what I've been really digging on lately? Like what is that? So uh, recently I've introduced um in sync into my daughter's lives during bath time. And so I would say that is a, <laughs> that is a current uh, experience. Oh for us. my goodness. Okay. So I'm going to try to do non judgment zone of joy theme song that I sing every single time um, because we just, we, we're just going to keep doing it that way in like a boy band style. Um, yes. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> I, it's hard to do without dancing and other other boys, right? Oh, hush up, Siri. Um, Siri tried to come in. Okay, are we re- okay? Get ready, Rob. You asked for go. more voices, so Siri yeah. came in. Here, yeah, I know. Siri was like, "I'm in, mate," because um, my Siri's my, Aus- my Siri is an Australian <laughs> man named Ben. I call I call him Ben. Um, Bean. Okay. Uh, yeah, Bean. Um, it's the na 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 judgment zone of joy. It's the non judgment zone of joy. Love it. Yeah, there we go. All right, Rob, what is bringing you joy right now? Okay, I have a couple of things. So I am loving television. I love. Uh, Andor is amazing. Mm. Yes. Um, I also uh, just finished The Expanse. Mm, that's a great um, show. Love that show. It's a great show. Love the it. The Rosanate, uh, baby. All those boxes. Yes. Um, but I would say what brings me joy outside of, you know, the usual things. Yeah. Kids. Um, kids and doing great work is... Um, we are a bluey household. Yes. And so much, I'm learning so much spiritual lessons through it. Mm. I'm learning so many spiritual lessons through it. Um, the idea of just being present 
and not always having to like run and jump and do the things, the next big thing that we got to do as a family and just enjoy my children and yeah. uh, all of the great things that, you know, all the great stories that come from having small kids and yes. watching them grow up and learn things. Yeah. You're one of the people that helped turn me on to Bluey. And yes, it, you know, my kids are older, seven and 11, but they've gotten into it and watched every episode. And I've watched every pretty, not every episode. I've watched many episodes multiple times um, for yes. that because it, there's a lot of wisdom with Bandit Healer. Oh, yeah. Um, and chili, too. Let's yeah, not and leave chili, chili out. And chili. Yeah. yeah, no chili er- erasure here. Um, no. Th- if you are a parent, the show will preach to you. Yes. And not in a condescending way, but really, no. uh, like, I'm here with you. I see the struggle because so many kids' shows are just kind of like obnoxious, outlandish things. But Bluey has this ability to take the normal parenting life that we all kind of deal with on the day-to-day basis and makes it makes it makes us feel seen, makes it feel applicable, and shows us really how we can move forward in a modern context and build great relationships with our kids. And yeah. so I just love it. Well, and you talked about being like a, a presence before, like of being a non-judgmental, like safe presence. And so much of yeah. what I learned from watching Bluey is just buying in and playing along. Like it's yeah. like the it's like the yes and for parent shows, like an improv game of just like your kids are doing this thing and you go, Oh yeah, I guess I'll be the robot. Right. I guess I'll be a whale. I guess I'll like, I guess I'll, I'll just go boneless and make them put me in the car. Right. Like I'll do what it, what it takes. And so it, Ben Bluey's created a lot of, a lot of language in my home. Um, So much. Uh, I have gone, I have done the boneless game and it is, uh, it's a little bit harder as a, as a larger man with having your kids try to move you around. But yes, there's just so much in it. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my joy is being uh, being guided to uh, be more present with my kids through a show. Yeah. Well, dude, yeah. Rob, thank you for sharing that. If you're not watching Bluey, watch it. Thank you oh, for yes. sharing all your wisdom today. We I'm going to have to have you back because there's so many things that we could talk about. Um, oh, so much. Yeah. yeah. And sure. I've, you know, I've done a few stints on yours. We got to get you up on here uh, uh, and better on the inside. So thank you so much, Rob. You are awesome. Where can people find you? Um, so you can find me at Twitter at Rob Fike, R-O-B-F-I-K-E. Um, I do a lot of talking about storytelling and writing um, and sharing my podcasts on there. Um, but I'm always looking for interactions there. So if you want to talk or you have any questions about this, what I talked about today, um, you can go there. Uh, if you want the full, uh, the full movement, four M's, six M's, how many M, how many ever M's that you yeah. want to talk about, uh, you can go to robfike.com and it's one of my blog posts. Um, or if you have more M's, just give me more M uh, yeah. movement. <laughs> categories and we'll continue to do that we'll continue to add more to it because uh i am 
a learner and I love to hear what people have to say and, and be guided by that. Yeah. Rob also has a book, The Department of Mutated Persons. Yes. It's good. It's a trilogy. Uh, it's, yes. Book three coming out next spring. Uh, and I am also wrote a, short, a couple short stories for a sci-fi anthology that should be out holiday season of this year. That'll be fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, dude, Rob, go find him. He's an awesome guy. Thank you for being here, Rob. We love you, dude. I love you. Thank you so much. I love you too, buddy. Yo, talking to my dude, Rob, was so nice. First of all, I just love spending time with them. Uh, but second of all, Rob is so good. And this idea of what it takes to make a movement is really important. I think it's really important conversation to have so that one, we can start our own movements that involve people, but also that we can spot movements and what they're doing and how they're working. And as Rob kind of points out, like, Every movement isn't a good movement, right? Every movement isn't healthy and good. And in a time where so many things are changing, I think it's really important to think about what it means to work for the good of other people. So, uh, yeah, do check Rob out at Rob Fike on Twitter, R-O-B-F-I-K-E, at robfike.com. Uh, he is an amazing author. He has these amazing books on Amazon, The Department of Mutated Persons. Uh, it's good fiction. Like it's not nonfiction. It's good fiction, young adult, uh, but really well written and really well done. Um, I plug anything Rob does. I recommend. Uh, he's just a great dude. He's an artist. He is somebody who really does care and somebody who makes this world a better place. So. Love you, Rob. Uh, we'll put more stuff in the episode description to so you can find all of his links and all of that good stuff. Hey, if you want to continue this conversation, you can go to our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash better on the inside. And we chit chat there. We hang out, we talk about what's going on and we're trying to build a community up there. So please join us and uh, subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Rate it five stars if you liked it because those ratings really help us. 